Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. On today's podcast, I have such a special guest, and I'm currently reading her book, which we're definitely going to be talking about, amongst other things, and her topic of her book and the things that she's so passionate about are really important for these days. And so, Mandy Freilich, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. So I didn't really say too much except enticing our listeners that you've got this book and you, you've got all kinds of topical things. So tell us more about you. Sure. Um, so I started out in education as an elementary teacher and um, I moved from the classroom after becoming burnt out in the classroom. I moved from the classroom to being a tech integrator. And then the kind of the natural progression of that was to move into a director of innovation and technology. And I sort of had the foresight to retire from that right prior to the pandemic. Wow. Um, so <laughs> that uh, is foresight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had been consulting on the side for many years and it just felt like the, again, kind of a natural progression to move into consulting full time because it was really difficult. Uh, you know, my, my passion area and where I was doing the most consulting actually wasn't in tech, um, even though I did a lot of that that as well. It was, as you know, because you're reading one of my books and educator mental health. So I, uh, I've been consulting, continuing to, to write books. I wrote uh, my first couple of books when I was still a tech director. Um, but three of those books are on educator mental health. So the fire within and reignite the flames are um, the kind of the first two in that series. And then there's also a workbook that's a companion book to reignite the flames that's called the educator's matchbook. And so that's just supposed to be a very practical, um, you know, way to implement the things that I talk about in reignite the flames. And then what was essentially my second book, but it's not exactly in the mental health uh, area is Divergent EDU. And that one is based on an organizational structure I developed for supporting teachers in innovative thinking, which is actually impacted quite a bit by mental health. And so that's how I weaved that one into there. Nice. Um, <laughs> outside of consulting, I work for Edumatch Publishing um, as uh, the director of author success. Um, I teach a technology and leadership course, a graduate course through one of our universities. You know, I just, I work with a lot of, I work with like some ed tech companies. And so uh, what I do is sort of, sort of vast as far as the ground I cover between technology and mental health, but it really allows, I, I mean, I'm doing something different every single day and I get to work with districts, which is really where my passion is. And so it's a lot of fun. Amazing. And when do you have time to sleep? <laughs> well, I make sure I get in my eight hours because that is super important. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If we're talking mental health that, you know, self-care sleep is one of the yep. healing, healing ways that we can take care of ourselves. 
Oh, Mandy, I can't wait to get to talk to you about. There's so many things that I I want to find out more about. So the first question I always ask my guests is, if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I think that the the, um, concept of belonging is really interesting because I think when we look at it, if we really dig down into some of our feelings and emotions we have over certain situations, they'll actually, it'll actually come down to a feeling of belonging. And when I first started noticing this a few years ago, it came to me um, as an adult, like I, I, you know, I, I, I felt it as a kid, everybody feels it when, you know, if you're not exactly part of the popular group or, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't know what it is as a kid, you don't understand that that's belonging. But I actually, it, it came to me about how important it was a few years ago when I felt left out of a group that had been invited to a conference. And now this, this seems kind of, <laughs> in the grand scheme, like scheme of things, it seems kind of lame, right? You're like, oh, it's, it's essentially the adult version of being invited to the party, right? Yeah. Yes. But, <laughs> but, but it's, I important. Was, I was, it's important. It's it, important. It, you know, it, it has is. to do with our self-esteem. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, when that happened, I was so irritated and, and even irritated I, I, with misplaced irritation over the people that were invited. And, and so I really had to sit down. And a lot of times when I have big emotions like that, I've learned to sit down and figure out what the root cause is, because it's usually not what it seems like it is at the surface. And, um, at that time I had sat down and I'm like, what is my problem? What is, what is going on right now? And it really came down to the feeling like I was left out and which is of course belonging, you know? And then, so I had to reason through that and say, but I do belong. I do belong to that group. And if I want to go, I should go. Uh, it doesn't matter if I was invited or, you know, like in that capacity or not. Uh, but I did have to reason through that. And it's, like you said, it's very much back to your self-esteem, very much back to your self-worth. Am I, was I not good enough to go to that conference? Have I not worked hard enough to go to that conference? Have I not put myself out on social media enough? And, you know, and, and so you start asking those questions that are very uh, kind of leads. I, I recently wrote a a blog post about self-abuse. Some of them kind of lead back to self-abuse. Yes. Oh, I'm not good enough for this. And I'm not smart enough for this. And I'm not popular enough for this. And, um, and so I really think that sense of belonging is one of the most foundational emotions that messes with us, that we may not even know that that's what the core problem is. Absolutely. I love all that you said. It's the, the idea of it pokes a hole and gives us that self-doubt. So it makes us start questioning, you know, it's that imposter syndrome and what have I done to create or contribute to the fact that I didn't make it. But I I think it's wonderful. And and I definitely want to sort of delve in deeper about what you're doing now in order to unpack those feelings. So I'm going to take you in that direction rather than the direction I had originally thought, but we'll get back to what I was going to ask is... (laughs) How did you come to the point where you understood that you needed to unpack those big feelings and figure out what the root of it was? I think that that's something that I've developed over the course of time when I figured out that I really spent a lot of time in 
negative emotions and being unhappy. And it does go back a little bit to like the book you're reading, The Fire Within. The Fire Within was one of the catalysts for that was my burnout and disengagement from teaching and trying to come back from that. And and I can, uh, you know, as I've, I've said before, wanting to come back from burnout and be a better teacher, it could have been from the desire to really support students. And there was, there was a bit of that. And it could have been for the desire to support teachers better. And there was a bit of that. But what it actually was, was just the foundational desire to be happy as a human. That's all it was. I was tired of being negative. I was tired of being angry. I was tired of complaining. Like I was just tired of all of that. I was tired of being tired. Of Were all you of tired of hearing yourself be like that? <laughs> I, I was, I was, yeah. I, and I was also tired of the, I was tired of feeling it and putting it on to other people, yes. which was another thing that, that change in energy that happens when you complain to somebody and they feel like you're complaining all the time. You know, there's like a, there's an energy exchange with that. Yes. And I was, I was tired of that. Yeah. And I, I started to do a lot of research into mental health and I had dealt with my own anxiety and done to like tons of counseling and for depression and suicidal ideation and all these things. And what I realized through all that was that the, the core issue with just about anything is not always what it seems on the surface. And you, there is so, uh, so much, I guess, practice and and self-reflection and self-awareness that has to happen in order to get to a place where you can say, I'm feeling something because of something I'm doing, not because of something else somebody's doing to me. Because honestly, if there's, if there's something really terrible that somebody's doing to you, well, what boundary are you not, are are you not setting to allow that to happen? And so there's, there's a lot of, uh, of self-reflection that has to happen with that. And yet I found that when I go down that road and I take the time to really find out what it is, I can heal much faster and I can use the strategies I've developed in order to move forward. And I don't fall into that, um, you know, kind of self-abuse, that negative behavior, the, um, you know, I still, I still do a lot of, uh, for example, emotional eating. That's my, been my thing to try to break lately, you know, to try and figure out what am I eating because I'm hungry and what am I eating because I'm emotional, but I know I I've worked enough to know, to be able to dig into those core areas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a really, it's a really powerful healing tool when it comes down to it for people to be able to do that. Yeah. And the thing is, what you were saying for the story that you told at the beginning when I asked you about belonging was, although you felt left out, you looked at that after you sort of unpacked everything and said, but I can still go. I may not have been invited, mm-hmm. but that doesn't stop me from. And what happens is because I suffered from depression for a very, very long time. And so mm-hmm. I know where you're coming from. And when you're in that negative space with that black curtain sort of shining, you know, right in front of you, you don't see any opportunities. And so if you don't Mm -hmm. unpack what's actually really bothering you, and I love the fact that you mentioned, what is it that I'm doing? Not what are people doing to me, which is always a difficult thing for, for us to sort of admit. Right. 
And so that, you know, so many points there that, that, uh, that I really related to, and I, I think, uh, you know, everybody will. So tell us a little bit about your, your book, Reignite the Flames. And when did, when did you publish it? And how does it relate to what we're going through right now? Because I know you're very concerned about mental health in general for, for educators. Well, The Fire Within was, I think I published that in, I think it was 2017. I'm really bad with remembering years, but I think it was 2017. And I was really trying to, with that book, I was really trying to destigmatize mental health uh, with educators in particular. Um, I, I know that in the community in general, it needs to be destigmatized, but in particular with educators, because we work with kids. And, right. and if, we, if we're depressed, are we going to somehow, are they going to, are students going to catch it from us? You know, like the, some of these mm -hmm. ridiculous notions yeah. that are just not going to happen. And so that was really the fire within. But what I wanted to write was, and I wrote the fire within and divergent EDU in tandem. Um, I, I wrote them at the same time. It, one of the things that I do uh, that helps me write that that gets rid of sort of the writer's block is to actually write two books in tandem, because when I get writer's block with one book, I write, I move on to the other book. So um, <laughs> that's so interesting. And then, I'll, <laughs> and then I'll write that one for a little while and then I'll get writer's block with that one and I'll move back to the other one. So those two were released within months of each other. Okay. And then um, I really wanted something that was going to be a step-by-step more of a step-by-step -step guide to moving out of the area of disengagement. And I also wanted to actually define disengagement because I noticed that when I used that term with educators, they got a little like flutter in their heart. Like they got a little irritated with me because they're like, I'm doing all the things. I'm working so many hours a week and I, I'm, I'm volunteering for all this. My students can call me on my cell phone. You know, they would get very defensive. Yeah. And I, I said, no, like disengagement isn't, um, you know, disengagement isn't about how much time you put into professional development. It's not about um, how many hours you work. It's, it's not about what you do. It's about how much you love what you do. And so I, I really needed to define what that was. And I used, I went into some psychological terms with like emotional engagement and what that looks like and emotional disengagement. And, and I, I tried to discuss you know, there's kind of this, uh, I, I usually compare two different teachers, you know, that the teacher that is, is kind of like flustered and running around and, and, you know, is runs every club in the school and is the head of the sunshine committee and is the teacher in charge when the pr principal leaves. And yeah, you know, we all know all of these somebody people. like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we all know that person, right? Every yeah. school has one. Yeah. Um, you know, but also how she's going home or, or he, she or he's going home crying to their partner at night or regularly looking for another job or thinking that if they move schools, it'll be different um, when it's really not about the school or the district they're in. It's a lot. A lot of times it's about them and them not having boundaries of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to fit on their plate. And that to me is a disengaged teacher even though they're doing all the things, it doesn't matter how much they're working. Working more does not make you better. You not know, only working... that doesn't make you happy. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. exactly. 
you know, and then I usually kind of compare it to the teacher who uh, has studied mindfulness and understands how to regularly put that, you know, incorporate that into their practice, that they are still a smart person. So they are still the administrator in charge, but they don't head the Sunshine, Sunshine Committee. They just are a part of the Sunshine Committee, you know, that they don't go to all of the, um, you know, athletic events that the students have or the musical events that the students have, that they go to the ones that they want to go to, maybe, but that they do everything with passion and happiness. And, and that is an engaged teacher. And I really wanted people to be able to see the difference because at one point I was a very engaged teacher and I loved my job and I was doing things well. I started working too hard because I started to get into the more is better mindset. And that's where I became burnt out. And so I really wanted to provide people with the information that they needed. Why do we, why do we disengage? It's not only burnout. I've actually identified several other reasons why we disengage. Um, things like, um, you know, personal or professional adversity, secondary traumatic stress, the things I typically call teacher trauma, which can be anything from, uh, you know, a super unfortunate situation where a student passes away to um, some of the ways that we do active shooter drills in the U.S. Uh, so we have teacher trauma, we have uh, secondary traumatic stress, what am I missing? We have burnout and we have demoralization. And, and so I introduce all of those and I try to give examples of things like, um, you know, a burnout's really popular right now. And everybody says, everybody's burnt out. Everybody's burnt out, you know, yes. but not everybody is burnt out. There are some people who are actually what would be, we would call demoralized. And so burnout is you have too many things piled on your plate and you haven't set clear boundaries. Um, you're doing too much work. You're working harder, not smarter. Demoralization is actually when you have a, uh, you know, teachers get into teaching with this moral obligation to do better, right? We want to change the world, literally. That is why we get into education. And when that moral obligation is challenged through things like pandemics, you know, if, if I'm a teacher where I identify with my ability, like when I say I'm a teacher, what that means to me is that I can create the best relationships with students face-to-face. -face. I hug every second grader that comes up to me. It doesn't matter if it's the 150th time that they've done it that day. You know, yeah. I, I have created relationships with students. Like if that's how I identify and I can't do that right now because of the pandemic, I could come become demoralized. Sure. That's how I identify. Right. I'm getting my moral obligation challenged. So the reason that I talk about those two things, uh, I usually bring those two up is because um, if you are burnt out, you need to pull back. You need to take things off your plate. You need to, you know, set clear boundaries. You need to take time for yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to practice heavy self-care. But demoralization is actually about leaning in. And, and, and figuring out who you identify as an educator, how you identify as an educator in the situation that you're in and how you can really dig into your professional passions and, and purpose in order to make the best out of what's happening. So if people continue to say I'm burnt out and they continue to pull back, but they're actually demoralized, they're not going to be working on the correct problem. Right. And those are really one of the things that I wanted to address in Reignite the Flames, because I wanted people to have the words to use to describe how they were feeling. So that was, that's sort of the story of, 
of how Reignite the Flames came to be. Yeah, it's so important to define what the problem is. And mm -hmm. the only way that you're going to be able to define what the problem is, is to know what that looks like. You know, we're so busy as, as educators, either in the classroom or as tech support or as coaches or helping each other, the different problems we have with, this is in general, not even during a pandemic when things are changing mm -hmm. constantly. And actually being able to step back and reflect and just say to ourselves, gee, what's bothering me is almost like I don't have the time to do that. But the problem mm -hmm. is going in day after day, like you said, not having defined what the problem is, thinking that you're burned out and doing too much, pulling back and then figuring out, no, what I needed to do was such and such, you know, was, was figure out the fact that I'm missing my students. I'm not really engaging mm -hmm. with them. I don't have those same relationships with them. I'm not, you know, hugging them. Mm -hmm. It's, it's huge. And, and you see mm -hmm. that on, I'm sure you do too. You see uh, educators mentioning it in their social media posts day after day after day. And I bet what you want to do is be able to reach out to them and say, you, you've got, you know, your finger on the wrong problem. Yep. So, yeah. So that, that's really interesting how that, how the two books sort of followed after each other. And now you've got the, the follow-up, which is, I guess, sort of a workbook toward being able to figure that out mm -hmm. on a regular basis. So helping teachers with their reflections. So talk a little bit about the, the book that you came out with sort of that workbook. Sure. Well, and, and kind of going back a little bit to what you just said, like there's, there's two things that I am like a, a really, a, a, you know, kind of two ideas that I'm a big fan of, I guess. And, and one of those is that in, in order to move forward in healing, you have to be able to name your emotions. And, and I see that as a big issue with kids. Um, you know, we, yeah, we, we talk about it for kids, but, but we don't really think yep. that as adults, we need to do that also. Yeah, go ahead. Right. And, and so, you know, like one of the things that I've done in schools when I've gone in kind of just, you know, when I've seen an issue and I've been in a classroom, cause I'm usually there to work with teachers is, is are these students who have these huge emotions and they don't know how to name them. And, and, you know, you have to be able to name an emotion. And then I used to have a counselor who told me all the time, you have to feel to heal. You have to, you have to be able to feel the emotion and work through it. And right. so a lot of times what we're doing is kids are frustrated. We don't help them name that frustration. Like we don't have, you know, uh, we don't say to them, like, tell me how you're feeling. Describe, can you describe how you're feeling? Oh my gosh, that's frustration. That's what we yes. call frustration. Right. And, and, oh, that, that can just sometimes make us so mad, can't it? And then let the child understand what that is and, and help them work through it instead of saying, just stop feeling that way. Yeah. And what's causing it, you know, what the root cause <laughs> of it is, like you were saying from the beginning. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and then as, 
as adults, we do that same thing. Mm -hmm. We have an emotion and instead of working through that emotion, we like shove it down into whatever compartment we have created for, for that moment to try to just get through what we're doing and not seem like we're, um, weak or incapable or whatever it is. We like just shove that sucker down and lock the box. Right. We don't want our admin to see it. We don't want our, you know, colleagues to see it. We're worried about it affecting our students. Yeah. A thousand percent. So we we do that and then we never take it back out of the box to really look at it and say, okay, what can I do with this? Like how, how can I work through it and feel it? And sometimes that means sitting on your bed and crying. And sometimes that looks like getting really angry and trying to work through those angry emotions. And, and sometimes that looks like journaling. And sometimes it looks like meditation, whatever it is, you can't use the strategies you develop if you don't feel the emotion and then know that you have to work through it. Um, And so like everything that you just said is really important because you have to be able to, you know, we have to be able to work through the emotions. We have to know those strategies so that we can teach kids to use them too. So that we should be able to model them also. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I, I remember one time something had happened in my classroom. I can't remember what it was. And I went through, um, right before I left the classroom, I had the best class ever, you know, like that one class where you're like, I am going to love these kids forever. Like they, and I was so fortunate to be able to loop with them from fourth to fifth grade. So I had them two years, this amazing class. And I remember one time I got really, really frustrated with something that was just going wrong with technology or something like that. And I can't remember what it was. I remember saying to them, I'm, I'm feeling very angry right now. I'm super frustrated because I can't get this working. And I remember a couple of my kids who heard me say it, they said, why Mrs. Freilich? They're like, when we get frustrated, we just take some deep breaths. And they gave me the, <laughs> you know, the teacher version of how to get through being I frustrated. I love it. I love it. Yay. <laughs> and, and they ended it with, let us help you. And and it oh, was such wow. it was such a moment where I was like, we don't give kids nearly enough credit for some of the we things don't. that they do and they say. We do not. You know, it was it was just a really powerful moment for me to recognize like and a powerful how, moment for them. I'm sure they'll never forget it. Yeah, yeah. they were a great yeah. class. But the book that I, I had developed off from Reignite the Flames, I think it was about six months that I released it after Reignite the Flames. And what had happened was I had um, a friend of mine, she came to me and she said, so I was talking to so-and-so from our district, uh, a teacher from our district that, that I had left. And she said, um, and she said, I love everything Mandy writes, but I know I'm disengaged and I don't know how to fix it. She's like, like, I read all of her books and it is like, it's giving me, I don't know what to do, but I don't know what to do. Uh, And uh, I don't know where to even start implementing some of the things that she's talking about. And, um, and it was really a wake up call for me because I was still living on the high of, oh, I released a book and it's so practical and it's going to, everybody's going to be able to use it. And that wasn't, oops, I missed something. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. So the educator's matchbook can be used as a standalone book. Like I tried to put enough information in there that people can use it in in order to move forward, but it's, it's a week by week guide um, that does things like 
It talks about the four types of self-care. It talks about different things that you can do for self-care. What does that mean? You know, not only the making sure that you're getting exercise, but also taking care of your diabetes, if that's a problem or everything from going to the dentist, you know, like those are all all self-care type things. And then it has a place to help, help you set boundaries. There's an emotion tracker in it so that you can kind of track your emotions throughout the week to um, try to get a handle on, you know, if I'm looking back and I had a really hard time in January, did I also have a hard time last January? Because if I did, it's not oh. that the problem is less, but the catalyst may have been the time of year, yeah. you know, so there's kind of that emotion tracker in there. There's also a place to set goals and uh, that's sort of on uh, one page. There's another page for reflection on the week. And then built within the the weeks, there are uh, mindfulness activities, gratitude activities. There's a gratitude journal, a mindfulness journal. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in there. Um, There's resilience activities. And then there's a teacher activity. And the teacher activity is everything from how to create like um, a joy box or a joy kit Mm -hmm. in the classroom and what that does for you to reflecting on things like the first time you stepped in your classroom, you know, or what are your passions and purposes really? And so it gives some of those elements that I had to work through in Mm -hmm. order to come back from my, from my own disengagement. And that's, so that's kind of what the educator's matchbook is. Oh, wow. That's so much material. I mean, there are so many, Tidbits, I'll be sure to uh, put the links to the books and uh, all of the books in the show notes for everybody to make sure that if they want to go ahead and, and take a look and, and definitely purchase them because they're, they're so practical. Mandy, yes, where can people find you if they want to hop off uh, as they're listening and, and look for you right away? And of course, I'll include all of this and your books uh, links in the, uh, in the show notes. Sure. So um, the most common place to find me is um, on www.divergentedu.com. Um, and you can find me at, at Freilich M on Twitter. Perfect. Mandy, thank you so much. I, I don't know how to thank you. I, I just wish I could just jump through the screen. And I know my, my listeners are just hearing this, but I can actually see you because we're on Zoom. <laughs> I'm cheating right now. I usually don't say that, but I would just love to reach through the screen and hug you. Thank you so much. And uh, I know yep. that our listeners will benefit so much from all that you've talked about today. Uh, thank you. And thank you for having me. And I can't wait until we actually can hug again. I am looking forward to that day. It will be phenomenal. I cannot. Yes. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to belonging that's journeys number two belonging dot webstarts.com see you next week